I'd like for you to look this morning at the book of Amos, if you will, please. Amos, chapter 8. Amos chapter 8, there seems to be a consensus of opinion among religion today that God owes man his word, that he has to speak to men and give men an opportunity to be saved. That's the opinion of religion. I don't agree with that opinion. I don't think God owes anyone anything except judgment. He does owe judgment. If I had a title for this message, it would be this, A Basket of Summer Fruit. A Basket of Summer Fruit. Amos 8, Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what, uh, what do you see? And I said, I see a basket of summer fruit. And then said the Lord unto me, The end is come upon my people of Israel, and I will not again pass by them any more. And the songs of the temple shall be howlings in that day, saith the Lord God. There shall be many dead bodies in every place. They shall cast them forth with silence. Hear this, O ye that swallow up the needy, even to make the poor of the land to fail, saying, When will the new moon be gone? that we may sell corn. In other words, when will this religion business be over that we might get back to making money? That's the question. And the Sabbath, that we may set forth wheat. When will the Sabbath ever end that we may sell some wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great? And uh, they just admit they're going to falsify the balances by deceit. We need to make lots of money. And we'll do it by deceit. We're going to hold our thumb on the scales while we weigh it. That we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes, yea, and sell the refuse of the wheat. The Lord hath sworn by the excellency of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. Do you know the Lord never forgets anything you do? Your works, whatever you do, God knows about it. He remembers it. Shall not the land tremble for this? It ought to be a little trembling for that. If I, God knows everything I do, I ought to tremble a little bit before him. And everyone mourn that dwelleth therein, 
and it shall rise up wholly as a flood, and it shall be cast out and drowned as by the flood of Egypt. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. And I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. And I'll bring up sackcloth upon all loins and baldness upon every head. And I will make it as the mourning of an only son and the end thereof as a bitter day. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but this famine will be of hearing the words of the Lord. Nobody be able to hear anything from God. They shall wander from sea to sea, and they get to looking for the word of God. Where is that where is that preacher that used to preach to us and then we decide we didn't want to hear anymore? Where did he go? Let's see if we can find him. They shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. And they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. It's gone. And in that day shall the fair virgins and the young men faint for thirst, and they that swear by the sin of Samaria, and say, Thy God, O Dan, liveth, and the manner of Beersheba liveth, even they shall fall, and never rise up again. Well, what a day that will be. You see all of that. And that day is coming, or it's already here, perhaps. Each year at harvest time, the people of Israel kept what we call the Feast of Booths, B-O-O-T-H-S, the Feast of Booths. And at that feast, token offerings of the abundance of the land were brought thankfully to God. And this feast was joyful because the blessing of the harvest in which the fruit of the land had become ripe was a promise of future years of prosperity. So they'd bring the ripe fruit before the Lord and give him thanks for the ripe fruit and the the good things that he gave to them. And this is likely what Amos is referring to here. Ripe fruit, a basket of summer fruit, ripe fruit. What could be more luscious and delightful than a basket of ripe fruit? Jerry Hansen brought a cantaloupe yesterday to our house and I cut into it and boy it did cut good I like them to cut good that means they're going to be good 
and I peeled it, and Shirley and I tasted it, and oh, my, it was delightful, sweet, and luscious. So what could be more luscious and delightful than a basket of summer fruit, that good fruit that comes in the summertime? Wonderful. And yet, now the Lord is using that as an illustration. And he says that the basket is the nation of Israel, and the nation of Israel is ripe. But it's not ripe for good things, it's ripe for judgment. That's how he's using this. It is ripe for judgment. The time is ripe for my people Israel, and I will spare them no longer. So that's the illustration. That's what he's talking about. So let me ask you this question. How important is hearing from God to you? How important is that? We come here or at least some do, three times a week, and we hear the Lord speak to us, is that your joy in life, to hear God speak? You're here this morning. Is this your joy in life, to hear what God has to say? Well, what if he quit speaking? What if you came here and there was no... No preaching service, and you go other places, no preaching service. God has quit speaking. Would you miss it? I think most of you would, or all of you perhaps. Or would you miss it? Would your life go on just as it has gone on before? Does God speak here? I sometimes I wonder about that, whether God speaks here or not. I'm not always too sure about that. Now the nation Israel often disobeyed the Lord. They rebelled against his word. His prophets could speak, and the nation of Israel would say, well, there's not anything to that. They rebelled against what God said through men, and yet the goodness of the Lord caused him to keep on sending his prophets to warn them and invite them. And one prophet after another came and they got the idea, well, there's no end of prophets. Maybe one of these days we'll believe one of them. So Israel was a stiff-necked nation who tempted the Lord and followed other gods. And yet the Lord would not let them be without a prophet and allow them to perish. And they got to where they took God for granted. Oh, we'll always have somebody tell us about God. Look here, 
one prophet after another. This will never stop. We're always going to hear something from God. Don't ever take God for granted. That's what we're going to learn here this morning. It's dangerous to take God for granted. All the young people here, it's dangerous for you to take God for granted. And when you come here, you best listen the best you can. Maybe God will say something to you. But don't say, well, it'll always, I can always go and hear somebody preach somewhere. Well, that may not be so. Now, God saw here that the labor of his servants was useless, not doing any good, and one after another went and preached to them, and there was no fruit produced from his word, and his name was profaned, and his kindness was despised. And therefore, because that was true, the Lord announces through the prophet Amos final vengeance on the nation of Israel. At verse 2, I will not again pass by them anymore. The basket of summer fruit has rotted, and I will not be back to say anything else to them. You're the final prophet that will ever say anything to the nation of Israel. And you tell them that, that I won't be back. And they'll be permitted to go on with their singing. They'll have a worship service and they'll have singing, but it'll be nothing but howling. Verse 3, the songs of the temple shall be howlings. In that day, saith the Lord God, and their songs will just be a lot of howling. And their feasting, which will be turned to mourning, verse 10, I will turn your feasts into mourning. You're not going to enjoy anything anymore. I'll turn all your songs into lamentation. And verse 11, Behold, the days come that I will send a famine in the land. But it won't be that you can't get a loaf of bread. There'll be plenty of bread everywhere. Won't be a famine of bread, and you'll have plenty of water. You can eat and drink all you want to, but the famine I will send will be of hearing the words of the Lord. And their eyes will be fat and stand out and there will be a famine of hearing the word of the Lord and they will realize it. And you dear people come here, you hear the word of God, I think you appreciate it and you love it. That's the reason you keep coming. But this is a warning. Here's what it is. 
These people realize, verse 12, they're going to wander from sea to sea and from the north to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. These are men deprived of light, wandering around in the darkness. No word from God. God's not saying anything. I wonder why God's not saying anything. Well, you didn't want him to say anything before, so he quit. There's no worse judgment that can fall on me than for God to leave me alone. Is that right? For God to leave you alone. Lord, don't leave me alone. Bother me all you want to, just don't leave me alone. The basket of fruit has rotted now. This is a rotten basket of fruit. Judgment has come. Now you call this what you want to. Men call this different things, but the truth, some men call it judicial blindness. Perhaps that's right. Uh, reprobation. Spiritual deadline. Coming to the place where there's no more mercy. And people say, well, there'll always be another Sunday. Will there be another Sunday? Another opportunity is coming right around the corner. Perhaps, perhaps not. And this is my greatest fear. That in the age that I'm to now, that God would not speak to me anymore. Because I use his word in a careless, indifferent manner. And maybe he'll just say, no more for you. I don't want to one day come up without the word of God. Like King Saul, you're familiar with King Saul, the Spirit of God departed from him and he didn't even know it. And Samson went out to fight the Philistines and didn't realize that he didn't have any strength. God was not there. To come and open the Bible and read it and sing and preach and walk away knowing that God was not there. What a terrible thing. I don't want to come to the place I have in my life and come up here and preach to you and hear this beautiful singing and hear people pray and walk away from here with that emptiness that God was not there. Ephraim is turned to his idols. He's done it before, but this time the Lord uttered three words. He said, leave him alone. Leave him alone, Lord, forever. Yeah, forever. Don't take any word to him at all. Leave him alone. And if God were to say to people about me, leave him alone. 
the summer fruit has rotted and it will never change. Our Lord answered the Pharisees' questions for a number of years. He dealt with them in truth and told them the truth about themselves and then one day he came to his disciples and he said to his disciples, leave them alone. Leave them alone. What a terrible thing. He had preached the gospel of grace to them over and over and over. And then he finally said, leave them alone. Why? They didn't count the word of God as being worth anything. They were bored with hearing preaching. They didn't want to hear it. And I hope nobody here ever comes to that place where you get to where you don't want to hear anything from God anymore. Because I tell you this, he will accommodate you. He will. No word from God. I will not pass by them anymore. God's long suffering came to an end. What a terrible situation. Oh. Oh. I know this that if this ever happens, where we are I could go on preaching but without the spirit of God and I look to see whether that has happened or not just go on preaching without the spirit of God I know when I'm speaking for God and I know when I'm not and you do too you know that Now, this famine doesn't mean that preachers don't go on preaching. Nobody quits. There's a lot of preaching going on. I could get sermon outlines from now on and get the feeling going, get the atmosphere, and have songs that would make us feel a certain way and all the rest, and have a religious service but no power. That's scary. Paul said our gospel came unto you not in word only, but in power and in the Holy Ghost. Words won't save, but words inspired and empowered by God will save. And so this famine is for the words to go out, but there's nothing with them except words. That's scary. That scares me. They'll go to the head and not to the heart. Which is it with you? Does what's said up here, does it go to your heart or to your head only? If it doesn't go deeper, then the head, it's no good. Hmm. What is the greatest distance in the world? 
Do you know what the greatest distance in the world is? Is it maybe from pole to pole? Would that be the greatest distance in the world? Or from east to west? I don't think so. The greatest distance in the world is 18 inches. And that can only be spanned by God's grace. 18 inches from here to here. And God's grace must make that span. With a heart man believeth unto righteousness. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. It's a heart thing. If it's not a heart thing, God's not here. And truth is of no value unless it is embraced and experienced in the heart. In the heart. Actually, truth condemns if it's not embraced and taken in the heart. Ecclesiastes 1.18 says, He that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. The more you know, if you don't believe it and take it into your heart, it will increase your sorrow in your head. It's, if it's not accompanied by the grace of God, knowledge is death. You can know a lot of things and be dead. If I could just get what I know in my head, down into my heart, I know God would be here and... So preachers can go on preaching without the Spirit of God. And churches can gather. Oh, don't break, don't break up this church thing. Let's go to church. We're going to church today. Churches gather, but Christ is not present. And I say I'm not indifferent to numbers. I'd rather preach to a thousand than to fifty. I'm not indifferent to numbers. But if it's just you and me and Christ, I'm happy. If Christ is here. People come and go. We've seen many come and go. But Christ must not go. He must be here. And I think, I got to think about the past 25 years and the coming and going of so many. And I ask myself the question, is Christ here? Is Christ here? Yes, he's here. I believe he's here. And I'll be honest with you, I become so discouraged sometimes, but if he is here, I should be encouraged and you should also. <laughs> Encourage. Here's some encouragement right here. Let me read you some encouragement. I get to thinking, man, over these 25 years, over the 40 years I've preached, not a thing has been accomplished. And then I get something like this. We think of you both daily and pray the Lord's richest blessings upon you and the church there. You will always be my pastor. 
For more than half of my life, you preach the truth of Christ to me, and there is no way to really thank you for that, but thank you. That's from Brother Chris. He came here as a teenager, I guess, and heard the gospel for 20 years, and now he's out preaching the gospel, and we went to Madisonville, and he baptized two people while we were in Madisonville that had been saved under his preaching. You talk about encouraging. Something's going on. And uh, I tell you, our ministry goes on in other places. Things that have happened here. And so I'm encouraged. I get discouraged. And I sometimes wonder about our gatherings if Christ is here. And I know we're so conscious of numbers and noise and impressions that we ought to just forget those things and ask for his mercy and his presence and seek for his power and everything else be taken care of. We've seen this place full of people on more than one occasion. And I look out and see the lumber yard this morning, but then I look around and I see, I see these faithful people here that you know Christ and Christ is in your heart, and here you are. I ought to be encouraged. I believe God has not left us. I believe God is here. I believe Christ meets with us. And we come on Wednesday evening to hear from God, and there's only a handful. We ought to be encouraged that there's even a handful here to worship. I'm talking to you as a man. I'm a man just like you are. I'm a person. I have the same feelings that you have. And uh, our Sunday evening services ought to be the greatest blessing. We're, the tabernacle, we'll be talking tonight about the mercy seat, that place where God met with men. Can anything be better than that? Well, what I don't want us to do is just go through the motions and play church. You don't want to do that, do you? The songs are sung, the scriptures are read, and do we worship or play church? Which is it? Oh, for the abiding presence of the living Christ. I'd like to come to this pulpit anointed of God and see you pick up the songbooks anointed of God and your Bible fall open and the light of heaven shine on the words and those words go into your soul and then I'll know Christ is here. He has not said, I will not pass by them again anymore. But if he's not here, then other things are on our minds. 
We've gathered here. Has Christ come? Preachers can go on preaching without the Spirit of God, and churches can gather without Christ. Is Christ here? We can read this Bible. The Word is read, and there's no application to the heart. Have you read the scriptures at times and it wasn't any different from reading the newspaper? I have. But then at times it burns into your soul and sets your heart on fire. And you say, I've never seen that before. And those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they looked at each other and they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he spoke to us? That's the way it ought to be when God speaks to us. Our hearts ought to burn within us. And what profit is it to carry a Bible if it doesn't burn in your soul? The Word of God is read. There's no burning. Well, it fits in with our doctrine, but it does nothing for your soul. Doctrine is deadly without a heart response. We come to the ordinances. We come to the Lord's table and baptism. and We go right on observing these things. Is it possible to observe those things without God being here? Well, certainly it is. It can be just a ritual. Our hearts ought to burn within us just at the thought of coming and dining with the Lord Jesus Christ at his table. But it's just a nonchalant thing, usually. Ritualism is so deadly and dangerous when we can mechanically go into the presence of God and come away not even remembering we've been there. And if we do that, we really haven't been there. It's a ritual. I don't think we've come to the ritual place here. Do you? You think that? We're just in a ritual? It's something we do. No, if we can come to the Lord's table and take the bread and the wine and have no follow-up blessing then all we have is a ceremony and we can do that without thinking. Our affection for Christ must never be routine. If you have a class to teach or you sing a special or you men get up here and read the scripture as Brother Ray did this morning, and the instruments are played, if all of that becomes a ritual and something that doesn't inspire you and bless you, then let someone else do it. If you're indifferent and careless and just go through the motions, as a preacher, maybe I just go through the motions.
go through the motions. Or the music director, just go through the motions. Or anything else. Anything you do. If you get like the soldier who cleaned his gun so much that he did it in his sleep, then you might as well quit doing what you're doing. And if you lose your love and enthusiasm and excitement and zeal, then don't do what you're doing. Let somebody else do it. The Word of God is a fire, and if you don't feel the heat, then God's not worshipped, and the church is a boring thing. Does this bore you? Boring. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. He said, a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. A doorkeeper. Let me be a doorkeeper. If you're going to be a doorkeeper, do it unto the Lord, whatever it is. Because you and I are sinners, and God has sent his only begotten son to die for sinners, and he bled and suffered and died. Can you hear that? Does God speak to you of his son? Are you a child of God, or are you a reprobate? If you're a child of God and you're satisfied with yourself, you're not in a good position. Don't ever be satisfied with yourself. And if you're here and not saved, is God speaking to you? You best hope that he is because one of these days he may say, I won't pass by that one again anymore. That'll be the last time you hear from God perhaps this morning come to Christ God said I'll send a famine in the land of hearing the words of the Lord don't take it for granted they shall wander to and fro to seek the word of the Lord they shall not find it seek ye the Lord while he may be found because the day will come when you won't hear anything else from me, may God bring you to faith in Christ before that day. And may you and I, my dear brothers and sisters, as the people of this church, may we be sincere in whatever we do in this place. May God start with me and go through everyone in this church that our hearts might be moved to worship the Lord Jesus Christ in pure worship and actuality. Because there is a time we know not when, a place we know not where that marks the destiny of men to glory or despair. We don't know when that is. But God will say, I will 
not pass by them anymore. That's this coming of time. May God help us. And I want each one of us in this church to be serious-minded about what we're doing here. What are we doing? I'm too old to fiddle around about it anymore. Let's worship the Lord together. I love you and I appreciate each one of you. And you men, when you read the scripture, do it as unto the Lord. And when you pray, may your hearts go out. And anyone here, you take church as just a nonchalant thing, you better change your mind about that. May God bless you. Let's stand for prayer, please. Our Lord, we're grateful for your word. Help us, to, Lord, to be sincere in our worship to thee. I know my own heart how cold that I become, and it is alarming to me, and I question as to whether I really know thee or not. But I pray, Lord, you'll bless us and bless this good church, and may each one of us purpose in our heart to be sincere about everything of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for these young people. They may realize that the years they're in now may be the last time they'll hear from thee. And I pray they'll come to the Lord Jesus and bow to him and ask him to be their Savior. Thank you for all these young ones. I, Lord, we love them and we pray for them. May each one of us do that which is good and pleasing in thy sight. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen.